From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford at Studio here with you this morning for the uh, podcast version here, the uh, the audio version. A couple guests for you today. Eddie Rester, the uh, the pastor at Oxford University United University United Methodist Church. I should get that right considering it's my church. But anyway, he's uh, joining us here in about a half hour. Also, Neil yesterday spoke with uh, Ole Miss basketball transfer Robert Allen. Allen coming over to uh, the Rebels from Samford. So you'll hear that on the audio version as well uh, on the podcast. Pretty sure by joining out, joining in the live stream as well on a show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon. Use the Speed Pass Plus app. You know, if you do that, you don't have to touch much. You can pay right there on the app. You can uh, take care of yourself during these uh, these trying times as much as possible. You can also go next door to the Oxford Crystal. Use the drive through for that. When you get up to the window, you got a fishbowl sitting there. Put your name in it if you would uh, if you would like. On April twenty seventh, that is uh, twelve days away. They will draw a customer from each of the Wattacombo Crystal locations in Mississippi. That person wins free crystal for a year there with uh, with Wattacombo and Crystal. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. We are Clark Fords in uh, Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900. All of a sudden, the audio on my computer decides it wants to work. Uh, 662-257-1900. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. That simple, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. Uh, you can do what I've done and hop into a Clark Ford. You'll love the service. You'll love the product. Corey and the people at Clark Ford that want to be your car guy, they want to be your uh, truck guy, and they'll prove that to you. 662-257-1900. So, um, let's see. News-wise, this is the last time we talked to you. Uh, quickly, a couple podcasts. If you missed anything early in the week. Three guests on yesterday's show. Neil spoke with uh, Taylor Zarzer, some college football, some golf, and the like. He also spoke with Tony Jones, who was in the arena the night the NBA stopped. With the, uh, with the Athletic, and then um, also spoke with Jason Simmons of Dead Soxy. So that's yesterday. Um, Zach and I did the Monday show, good bit of baseball, some golf as well. So that catches you up on uh, the uh, the Oxford Exxon offerings throughout the week. Obviously, we'll have more podcasts to you as well. But uh, anyway, that is uh, that is up in all the places that you listen to podcasts. Uh, really, the only news, and we'll see if it happens. We all have our th- fingers crossed. Um the PGA Tour yesterday being the first American sports league to put an actual return date on their calendar. Oh, they announced something? June 11th is when they say they are returning to competition oh. at uh, at the Colonial in Texas um, is what they say. I think they've uh, they've at least scheduled three weeks in a row. There's like that one, the Travelers, which is in Connecticut, and then another one that is maybe Harbortown. That's, With or without fans? I don't think that decision has been made yet. I gotcha. think they simply said coming back and then nothing else has been pointed to. And I'm, I'm not even sure they've come out officially – Brian Wacker with Golf Digest, who reported it yesterday, but um, I'll find it in a second. But June 11th is on the calendar as far as when they they hope to come back, and it it frankly that seems uh, quicker than I expected. Um, I did think Golf will be the first back. I still think Golf will be the first back, but that is a little bit uh, earlier than I was anticipating as I uh, was going to hear it for that. But anyway, June 11th is what they're saying right now. Well, good for them. 
We hope they're right. That's all I can say. That's what everybody does on Twitter. They go, hey, okay, but sure. Why not? Well, I don't. Trying to decide how, if I just want to go down this road already. Yeah, why not? So, a month or go, a month or so ago, a little more than a month ago, March the tenth, twelfth, whatever that was, when we shut the world down, thought it was the right call. I did. I knew there'd be a lot of pushback. There's a lot of people that, oh, you know, whatever. whatever. No, it made perfect sense. Made perfect sense to to. Uh, we couldn't do something that was going to overwhelm the health system in mm-hmm. our country. Couldn't do it. That, that made sense. You can't overwhelm hospitals. That's a bad thing. It leads to chaos. Uh, and we didn't. And we didn't. And we, we, we did the right thing. We stopped mass, uh, for the most part, you know, we stopped the NCAA tournament. We stopped uh, mass gatherings, for the most part. Uh, Easter services all over the country were, were online with a handful of notable exceptions, it was the right thing to do. It absolutely was the right thing to do. It hurt, but we did it. And the Congress passed stimulus checks for people, uh, payroll protection plan, SBA loans, did all that stuff. I think it was the right thing to do. What bothers me right now is that the goal of all of that, we were told, was to flatten the curve. And they showed us the curve, and when you looked at it, you said, makes sense. I don't even hold it against them that some of the models were wrong. I don't, because models are always wrong. Models are guesses. If you talk to enough medical people and scientific people, they'll tell you that look, models are guesses. So hold on, I'm, yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. So even though, because you, you, if you don't use models and you underestimate, well, it's a catastrophe. So the fact that we over, that they, that they overshot. I think it was on purpose. No, I, I think don't. They overestimated on purpose. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not into all the conspiracies, really, other than the one that I think the damn thing came from a lab in China. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think people, their, their their hearts and minds were in the right place. But now that it becomes obvious that this thing is not as widespread as we feared it would be, and as it becomes obvious that we did flatten the curve. We absolute social distancing absolutely prevented hospitals mm-hmm. from getting overrun, with the exception for a, of a few days in New York, when, and God helped them. They they got hit hard. New York was the epicenter in this country, and they got hit hard. And they're they're just now, I think, settling down. Best I can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you Mississippi see, still has eighty five percent of their ventilators available. Even you in see the state, stats in the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Where only 81 people have been hospitalized. In the state of Arkansas, and it's a small state, but there are people that live there. Little Rock's a pretty big place. Northwest Arkansas is pretty populated. Yeah. 81 people. So what bothers me is now that it appears that we have indeed flattened the curve. We're moving the goal. And we're coming down the back slope. Instead of the conversation shifting to, okay, now let's come up with a way to responsibly restart the economy, get people back to work, let's do it responsibly, it's gone to, no, no, we've got to eradicate this thing. Well, if that's what the goal was in the first place, then why didn't we say that in the first place? Because we would have had a completely different conversation with how are you going to do that? How are you going to pull that off? 
when frankly you can't pull that off unless you're shutting down for years yeah i mean you were talking 12 to 18 months at a minimum Mm -hmm. well for doing that well let's just announce that i mean that's stupid that's what bothers me right now is that people can't put their politics aside long enough to get rational and again, I know there were a lot of people that were were always for not shutting anything down. No, let's just let's just let it run its course. That would have, in my opinion, probably been a big mistake. But as we study this thing, and you find out more and more that it just does not hurt young, healthy people. It just doesn't do it. We got to start getting a little more rational about this. This is dumb. It is fast becoming stupid. And I don't think the last month was stupid. I don't. I know a lot of people do. I don't. You're free to your opinions. Cool. I think we did the right thing shutting things down. Stopping packed arenas all over the country, people traveling all over the place. Well, yeah, you see that even with the evidence of what's happened in Albany, Georgia. It's the one hot spot that's not associated to some crazy dense area or a Mardi Gras or something on those lines. They essentially had a funeral cause mass chaos in Albany. So I, I think, it, it, look, it's it's circumstantial but, right. and it's anecdotal, but I think that's reason enough to go, hey, yeah, that was a good idea. And we've, we've done that. It's, yeah. been, it's been it's been very effective. I and mean, we still need to do that for a little while. We're probably not ready to open up no, stadiums no, 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 and open up the big... It's not me- concert season. No, it, no, the, no, no, even the big mega churches, we probably don't need to do that. Like the one in Houston, Osteen, the, they, it's at the where yeah. the summit used to be. Yeah. You know, we probably don't need 10,000 people packed in for a, a thing. Frankly, we don't need giant funerals and stuff right now. But there's no reason that a guy can't open his jewelry store. There's no reason that, that a sunglass hut can't open. You got to keep people clean. I'm for people wearing masks for a while. Let's be smart. Yeah, but I think it, the masks are here for a while. But it's time to kind of start moving a little, I think. You think people start wearing masks more just during cold and flu season when they get sick in general as time goes on? Probably should. Well, definitely should. I mean, you know, they do in Hong Kong. and I mean, that's the funny part of this. Not funny. But if people would wear masks when they're sick and keep these hand-washing practices, a lot of our illnesses would go way down as far as a lot of that kind of stuff. Flu, cold, just normal seasonal stuff that we deal with. Well, I mean, <laughs> not to get gross, but why not? A lot of other cultures look at us with some of the practices that we do with hygiene and go, you guys are filthy. The majority of Americans don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. A, a close to 50-50 percentage. That's bizarre to me. I, I'm not, like, not arguing like, with like, you. I'm just telling you the like, stat. Like, you go, to the, you go to the restroom and don't wash your hands with soap and water, I think you're a criminal. I mean, <laughs> that moment. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't get that. The dirtiest place in the world is like shared peanuts on a bar on a bar counter, like in a restaurant or somewhere, because all the people going to the bathroom, a lot of them haven't washed their hands. Like I, I avoid any communal oh, yeah, yeah, bowls yeah, yeah. Yeah, of anything yeah. on a bar top. I won't eat a buffet. That's what I'm saying. The buffet doesn't bother me as much in most situations. but because nah, you got the same thing. People grabbing the spoon, and then you grab that spoon. Just let me have this one, okay? <laughs> just, just you should n- not go to a. You should not go to a buffet. Just tell they're nasty. They're nasty. It's Golden Corral's not your jam. You, you, nasty. The, the chocolate fountains not your nope. not, not 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 your deal. Gross. But I mean, you. We have a lot of of practices in our country that are bizarre. When you stop and 
dwell on it for just a moment. Let's not. You have something at the top of your tip of your tongue you're wanting to say. I what? mean, what? I, no, I mean, I got a lot that I could okay. go. I, we, Jay and Gabe and I had this text chat yesterday, and it was, I don't know. What? No, nah, nah, I'm you're I, good. I, I'm I, I'm not going to go there. It's too early in the morning. I don't know if people are going to be listening to this, and I don't want to gross anybody out. Oh, you had something pretty bad. Well, no, I mean, along the lines of the bathroom thing. Okay, I mean, I think we're the only indust only normal country. I have no idea where you're going. We're the only normal country that just like just get a little tp and you're all good oh we're pl- we're having the debate or bidet argument now. yeah yeah we're the only we're the only country that does that you can convert yours into a bidet pretty easily they got packages on amazon yeah i know i know just, I've, I've done some research think that'll help out the undercarriage a little bit make it a little little cleaner well there's no doubt that that, that <laughs> i mean there is a sanitation issue there <laughs> the one argument that i always make is if you got that on your arm you would be more careful, yeah, yeah. yeah if you yeah. got if you got that on your arm, how would you get rid of it? How would you clean that? Would you go get some dry tissue, or would you get soap and water? I'm asking. You would get soap and water, hundred percent, and scrub like a son of a bitch. Yeah, That's what you would do. Yeah, till it was clean. Saying. It's weird. It's a weird thing when you stop in a, uh, and think. So yes, to get back to your point, during cold and flu season, should people wear masks when they're out? Yeah, of course. Because it's a real simple math equation. If 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 you wear a mask, you expel less. Well, yeah. If the other person wears a mask and he or she expels less too, we're the, becoming exponential all of a sudden. Yeah, the odds are the odds lower that the two of you are going to transfer something to each other. We'll do that over the, yeah, exponentially. If everyone's wearing a mask, people are going to stay healthier. And if everyone keeps their hands clean, people are going to stay healthier. And if everyone does goes the extra mile to keep surfaces cleaner, we're probably going to be healthier. Do I expect that to last long? Nope. Because people are nasty. You think stuff goes right back? and it's, I think there's always going to be. I am starting to, to, to move a little toward your rationale slowly. That I do think at least shaking hands will be greatly diminished. It's not yes. disappeared from our society or anything, but I, I do think I think you'll shake the hand of people you know. I think the stranger shaking hand will will greatly diminish. Agree. I finish a golf round, I'll still shake the hand of the guy I'm playing with. It's a buddy, whatever. But I think meeting someone new, you're gonna be a little more apprehensive to do it. Oh, no doubt. Which makes no real sense, but I just think that's the way my mind will work. Is, is, I, I'm, is, is. I don't anticipate being a big handshaker after this. Nope. Because now I've had a lot of time to really think about where people's hands have been. <laughs> and I'm good. <laughs> I can have a conversation with someone and be congenial without having to shake his or her hand. Unless I feel quite confident yeah, that that yeah. person's hands are clean. Okay. Uh, real quick, the details. Um, let's see on uh, that golf thing. Just to not leave people hanging here. It says, um, where's that? 
It's also expected that fans will not be allowed to attend that first tournament at Colonial Country Club in Fort Worth as the tour looks to follow health and safety guidelines, blah, blah, blah. Um, late last week, the tour sent players a memo saying it was targeting a return at Colonial. The memo cited the tournament's original date on the calendar of May 21 to 24th, but said the tour was valuing options to, quote, preserve the maximum number of events we can do while giving us more time as the crisis evolves. Um the RBC Canadian Open, originally for June 11th to 14th, will not be played, which freed up the event, the date for another event. It says uh, also there's a potential PGA Tour tournament 18th to 21st of June when the U.S. Open was supposed to be held before the USGA announced its postponement to September. Um, let's see. Some people were talking about, yeah, Harbor Town and Hilton Head. Um, and then from there, the schedule would include June 25th, 28th, Travelers in Connecticut. July 2nd to 5th in Detroit, July 9th to 12th, the John Deere Classic in Illinois, July 16th to 19th, Memorial at Murfield Village, and then on and on and on. So basically a pretty pretty normal, pretty weekly PGA Tour schedule following um, following June 25th to 28th. So they'd get started a couple weeks earlier, looks like maybe a week off, and then get going from uh, from there for that. So just for those curious, that's uh, that's how that's working out. Uh, web more in our live stream web thank you very much and uh and yes we are uh, we're going to do thursday nights hand raise guys uh, yes. for the foreseeable future that's correct um i've not uh, i've not followed up on the interview request with steve robertson but you know what i, I probably will for for fun really yeah why not okay I'm asking the live stream, do I seriously shake hands at the end of golf with buddies like I'm walking off the final green at St. Andrews? Yeah, I mean, there's some acknowledgement. It might be a, it might be a fist pump, but I mean, yeah, you you take your – no, I, I'll die on this hill. You take your cap off and you fist bump or you shake hands and you move off the green. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I do get annoyed at the people in front of you when you're waiting to hit into the green and they spend like five minutes socializing on the green. It's like get get, get out of the way. There's there's a big clubhouse up there. Go hang out there. Go do it there. Do something else. Um, you can't hang out at the clubhouse anymore though, right? Well, no, but you can still get off the green. Yeah. Um, you can just move to the side or something. I mean, I still might hit you, but it'll be much easier than – Actually, standing in the middle of the green is probably the safest place, but nonetheless. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Still do that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no qualms there at all. Um, did you watch Horse the other night? Did you watch any of that? Watch some of it. I meant to talk about it with Zach, and I forgot. Watch some of it. It wasn't my jam. It wasn't my jam, although I did sit there for a few minutes on it. I was glad it was on because Carson enjoyed it. It was interesting how – and I don't mean this poorly – ESPN was so desperate for something, they allowed that poor broadcast quality to be okay. Yeah. I thought that was interesting from a TV standpoint. Well, I've, I've heard that this this is going to revolutionize TV. Even when we get back, you're going to see more Skype and things used, just people, regular people in their homes. They're going to bring people to New York less and just do it from their homes more. Really? Because it works. Oh, it's fine. In yeah. many ways, people enjoy it, the broadcast quality better because it's more normal. I think a lot of traveling salespeople who love the travel, this is going to be really sobering. This company's going to look at this and go, yeah, we were kind of still just as productive, and it cost a lot less. I anticipate it's going to change recruiting a little bit. From a sports standpoint, I think you're going to see more virtual recruiting and a little less coaches out on the road for 45 days. My do you opinion, really? I do. I need to find them. Lane Kiffin had some really interesting quotes 
on a Knoxville radio station the other day. Let's see if I can find that. As we just kind of jump around. Well, he talked about, he was asked about, and this is, to me, this is fast becoming a conversation that I think is interesting. Because I talk to a lot of people in college athletics, I know you do too, who agree with me completely that this idea of college games with no fans Mm -hmm. is not going to happen. No, I don't believe that. An absolute non-starter. And Kiffin brought up a point that I really had not thought about that much. Uh, I'm pulling. I've got it up here now. He was on um, somewhere in Knoxville, right? Yeah, he was on in the end with uh, 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 Jimmy Hyams. Okay, at WNML FM in Knoxville, and um, he was asked about. Uh, they talked to him about quarterbacks and all that stuff. I'm whatever. At this point, I, I have a hard time even focusing on on the football stuff until we get to. He was asked if he would be okay with playing games in the fall with no fans in the stadium. This is Lane Kiffin talking to uh, WNML in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Quote, I think that's a waste of time in my opinion, that conversation. I said on Feinbaum yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, that's just not going to happen. If it's not safe for people to be around people, you're not going to play football. You can't have 120 kids on one sideline around each other. Probably 250 people when it comes to all the staff and student managers. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can't have that many people around each other. They're going to go separate places and see people throughout at night or on weekends or whatever. I know people talk about that, but I think that's a waste of time. I don't know how that would ever happen. I could not, end quote, I could not agree more. I'm glad that now he said it so I can say what Coach Kiffin said and those people that yell at me will stop yelling because they're not going to play games like that. If you can't have fans, you can't play games. College level. Pro level, different deal because people are getting paid and it's more whatever. The other reason is the SEC is not going to go rogue and go, okay, well, we're going to well, play. No, 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 no. You got to have everybody. Everybody's either in or everybody's out. And – if you tell like Central Michigan, for example, you can't have fans. They say, well, then why are we doing this? They don't have the SEC network, the Big Ten network. But yeah, like Southern Miss, their television contracts, nothing. It does nothing for them. That helps them in no way. If you can't have fans, then you don't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't You can't make it work. There's so. no point. No. <sighs> anyway, all right. Uh, going to go to Eddie in a second. Then we'll uh, obviously get to uh, we'll get to uh, the Sanford transfer as well. Robert. Robert Moore. No. Sure. Pretty sure. Hell, I don't know. Robert Allen. Robert Allen. Yeah. Why do I keep saying Robert Moore? I don't know. You've done that like three times this morning. Yeah, Robert okay. Allen. We'll Great kid, by the way. Uh, really, really good kid. We'll get to that here in a little bit as well. Uh, first, tell you about Visit Oxford. Visit OxfordMS.com. How to support Oxford during COVID-19. That link is at the top of the website. You can see all the options for curbside and delivery service. You can also see how to support service industry employees at this time. They have Tip Roulette where you uh, just uh, send some... Send a tip over, and it goes to uh, someone who has signed up that is out of work right now during uh, during this situation. So, again, visit OxfordMS.com. We are uh, also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. Uh, Iron Horse Grill located 320 East Pearl Street in Jackson. Perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, Sunday brunch. They also specialize in large catering, 
on-site events up to 250 people off-site full catering services especially beverage catering as well give them a call 601-398-0151 for your catering needs when we get back to where we can have uh, large gatherings you can knock that off your worry list and let the iron horse grill make your event one that's memorable forever we are also uh, brought to you by dead soxy um as chase mentioned um we talked to uh jeff uh, Mr. Simmons there at uh, Jason. Jason Simmons. Well, okay. I'm, I'm babbling. Well, Jeffrey right Simmons is another human being, at least. We're, we're aware of that name. Yeah. I, I wanted to call him Jeffrey. It's not. Jason Simmons. Talked to him <laughs> yesterday at Dead Sox. You go check them out. Uh, on the site at rebelgrove.com, I posted a bunch of pictures of uh, their new product. And um, it's deeply discounted right now. There's no codes or any of that stuff. It's deeply discounted. They're using that to keep people in uh, their, their people in, in work. And uh, you can support them and at the same time get phenomenal deals on phenomenal socks at deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. We're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with the Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last a lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with less support and durability. But from the twin size to the California King, every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American made, and uh, its pricing is phenomenal. We'll make it even better with a uh, podcast code of REBEL20. That's R-E-B-E-L-20. Go to nestandwild.com, enter that code, get 20% off your purchase, and your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. Podcast is brought to you by Tyson Drugs and GNM Pharmacy. Tyson Drugs right there in Oxford on South Lamar, 662-236-2222 is the phone number. They deliver locally in the Oxford area. They also have regular business hours right now, and they're utilizing a walk-up window and curbside service. So they, uh, again, free delivery, delivery same day and more. Um, also, they're compounding their alcohol-based hand sanitizer and have a limited stock due to ingredient shortages. So uh, hopefully have masks and gloves available soon and more. So you can check out the Facebook page for more updates, 662-236-2222. If you're in your live stream, hold on one minute. We'll be right back. Eddie Rester joining us now on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Eddie, thanks uh, for a little time this morning. I, I'm just curious. You've been doing uh, you've been doing live streams for a little while, but you've been doing uh, sermons and whatnot to empty uh, empty sanctuaries. What's that been like? It's got to be a little weird, right? It's real weird. I mean, it's very very weird. We try to uh, not look at the. At least I do. I try not to look at the empty seats and empty pews. I look towards. Where I know the camera is, but it's uh, it's an odd feeling when you walk into church on a Sunday morning, and we do ours, uh, we do our live stream live, um, and there's not a crowd there, there aren't people there. Um, it, it, you draw a lot of energy off the people in the room. Uh, if you tell a joke and or something that's funny, and there's nobody there to laugh, oh, there's yeah. just not a way to know what you're supposed to do. Because you usually um, open your sermons so, with kind of a kind of a joke or something to make people laugh a little light yeah yeah get, get people comfortable before i you know hammer home a point but yeah so it's it's weird you, there's nobody to respond and so um so yeah you just try to figure out a way to really get mentally focused um to preach to an empty room yeah i, I hope i don't have to do this much longer uh we're, we're thinking maybe till late may uh early june but um 
I don't want to go back to this ever again. When you're just kind of preparing for not not not, not sermons, not anything like that, but just as a church, what your role is during this time? How early did you kind of go? Hey, you know, things might get shut down. What do we do? What was what was sort of the planning process? And then what is what what has sort of been your your missions, if you will, during uh during this period? Yeah. So the let's see, the Thursday of spring break that would have been like March twelfth, I think it was, somewhere in there. We had a three-hour staff meeting. We brought in some of our leadership from the church um, over lunch, and we went back and forth that Thursday, reading reports, uh, you know, listening to the uh, Mississippi Department of Health had um, a, a, a press conference that day, and we, you know, we went back and forth, and we made the decision that Thursday that we would have church on the fifteenth. The next day, uh, more news came out. Um, I talked to two or three doctors in the church, um, and one of the doctors said this. He said, Eddie, when this is all over, we would rather, wouldn't you rather say you were too cautious rather than not cautious enough? And so that Friday, we pulled the plug, and so we're just not going to worship, at least for the next two weeks. Um, and then as we got into the next week and realized it was going to be a while, um, we announced that we'd stay away till April 5th, and then... The next week, I think we realized there's just no way we're going to be back for Easter. And so we just said, until we say we're coming back, uh, we're not coming back. So in that, we tried to do a couple things. One is we wanted to do, um, one, a Sunday morning worship experience that we could stream and, and re- people could engage with well. So we, we tweaked some of that. We'd been streaming for about you know 18 months before that. But then we wanted to just do some other things. How do we... You know, a big part of, of church is the community. How do we create engagement uh, for folks beyond just sitting there on a sofa on a Sunday morning uh, listening to either Eddie or our other pastor, Chris McLilly? And so we trained a lot of our small group leaders with Zoom, um, which, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know how people react to Zoom. I, I'm, when this is all over, I don't, I'm going to take Zoom off my computer, my phone. I won't ever see it again. <laughs> Um, but we tried to do some things where people could just continue to engage and be a part. We've got volunteers that uh, people who if people need groceries or people need uh, you know, prescriptions picked up. They're doing that for folks. We've, um, we, we're doing this big thing at the hospital Friday that people can't go to be a part of, but there are ways that they can help us prep for that from home. Uh, so just trying to keep people engaged not just with church but engaged with one another over over this weird season that we think is important i think part of your job and probably a really big part of your job i'm guessing is in some ways almost being a mental health therapist you talk to a lot of people that are going through right. things they're down they're sad they're depressed they're mourning um how much are you hearing from? I'm obviously not asking you to betray any confidences, but how much are you hearing from right. people in your congregation that are just struggling, like lonely and and depressed and scared and all of those things? Yeah, we a, a good bit. We uh, we're, we're making sure uh, that we're making lots of phone calls uh, to folks right now, particularly folks that we know um, are senior adults, people who um, are single, and so they're kind of wandering through this alone. Um, and what we're finding is uh, that people, uh, some people are adapting well. They're creating structure. Uh, they're dealing with what they can control. Um, they're asking for the help that they need. 
Um, they're finding ways to stay connected with family and friends. Um, other folks are struggling. They, you know, if you lose a job in the midst of this and you're not sure where things are coming, the next paycheck's coming from, how you're going to take care of things, um, it, it's hard when you're told, we'll go work from home. Oh, and you've got three elementary age kids and you've got to figure out how to, um, you got to figure out how to homeschool them at the same time you're working. Uh, that's hard. And so there's just a lot of what I'm finding. There's a lot of grief right now and people don't know how to call it grief. Um, because it just feels you're tired. Um, it, things feel out of place. You haven't lost somebody or something. You're just, you've just been sent home. Um, but we have lost a lot. And so I think what, what I'm sensing from a lot of folks is grief that people don't know how to call grief. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, that. I read a story, I can't remember if it was the New Yorker, the New York Times, some, something like that is, is in the recesses of my brain that they had talked to uh, a therapist and counselors and psycho- psychologists who said that that's exactly what it is. People are grieving. That's exact, that mm-hmm. precisely what they are dealing with is actually grief. And some of the groups that I think about um, a lot, I, I think a lot about our high school seniors, high school kids who have lost a lot. Um, I think that they particularly aren't going to understand uh, grief. Uh, yesterday when Mississippi finally got around to saying we're not going back to school this year, a lot of parents took to, uh, and kids took to Twitter grieving, you know, the loss of baseball season, the loss of softball season, you know, even though they probably already knew um, that those things weren't coming back, just that moment of saying we're not doing it. Um, yeah, I think I think we're going to see a lot, even as we come out of this, a lot of how do we help people deal with grief. Um, one of the things that we did early on, we had this community conversation with um, the mayor and the CEO of the hospital that we streamed online. One of the things we're looking at right now is bringing in as we come out of this, some mental health professionals and doing a community conversation online again, just to help people think through, okay, this is what I'm going through. And these are some ways that I can, um, these are some ways that maybe I can help get out of whatever I'm dealing with. You know, it's funny you say that about kids. And I'm going to try to get through this little anecdote without getting choked up because the other day it really choked me up. It, 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 it hit home. So, uh, and, and you've got girls that are my girls ages. So you, you, mm-hmm. you, the, your, yep. your kids very well may have been involved in this as well. Um, so there's a girl that's a senior and uh, I hate to use her last name cause her parents might not want it. Her name is Mary Marshall and she has a, her, her they, they, all the kids call her Mary Marshall and she's a high school senior. And so, uh, and she's one of the kids who is their friend groups overlap both of my girls she's friends with campbell who's a year older and she's good friends with caroline who's a year younger and so they had a birthday party the other day but they couldn't have the party it was on her birthday and they did the uh they did the drive by thing and i just what 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 hit me was a, a number of things one how cool that all these kids in the midst of all this thought of one of their friends and said we let's do something special for her and let's do it responsibly, even though there are people, older a- adults out there that are not being responsible. And, and they're probably the least at risk of, of you know, getting, if they get the, the virus, they probably won't even know it. And they certainly won't die. And, and um, you know, they're doing that. But I thought, what a loss, you know, because instead of, 
Because you know how girls are. They they go to these parties, and it's basically a photo party. I mean, it's just everybody gets a photo. It's lots of photos, and the photos go on Instagram and Snapchat and end up at some point. Snapchat. At some point, the parents get them and, and put them on Facebook. There's a, there's a, it's a method to the madness, and it's cool. And you get those photos forever. And we don't we don't have photos of of Mary Marshall's party, and we we won't. But they have this cool memory, and they were all really cool with each other. And I don't know. It just it, in in some ways, it really got to me. Like I think this was Saturday, and I, I I I had to go have a moment. And then at the same time, I was really proud of all the kids, not just mine, but all of them that did it because they they were responsible, but they still looked out for their friend. Well, I think one of the things I see in that is adaptability, and I also see resilience. You know, kids, because they, they think more imaginatively than, than we do when we get older, they're going to figure out ways to do the things that need to be done. And they're not going to say, oh, I've got to do this, so I'm, so I'm combating grief. They're just saying, how can I celebrate my friend? And they're going to figure it out, um, which is healthy and helpful and you know, we have, uh, well, there's a senior adult couple at our church who just ill, hadn't been able to come to Sunday school for, for a couple years now, and their class does a Zoom class now. So suddenly, they're reengaged. Um, and so there's these, with, with friends again, that they haven't been, and it's been great for them. That's a bonus of the pandemic uh, for this older couple. Um, but again, it's when you can figure out a way to adapt and say, well, I'm not. I'm, we've lost that. That's okay. We're going to set that aside. So we're going to go try this. That's healthy and helpful. If you just sit back and, and green, just say, well, we lost that. It's gone. There's nothing to do. You're just going to spiral downward. So I'm thankful that our kids are leading the way in a lot of ways. Yeah, Campbell's got you know a, a group of it's the, there's like a, a a pack of like six of them I think that at Arkansas became really really tight and. I mean, she misses her friends badly, and they miss each other. But they have a like a Zoom deal, not every night, but most every night, like around nine thirty, ten o'clock, and that's kind of you know that's their thing. Yeah. They stay connected, and you're right. I mean, I think in many ways, I've said this a lot. And Chase has heard me say this. I, I will. I defend that generation. I catch myself really mm-hmm. defending them when people attack them. I'm like, man, those they are so much sharper at 17 and 18 than we were at 17 and 18 they are so much more worldly they're so much more uh intelligent uh connected that kind of thing we were you know we and and some of that was because we didn't like you and me eddie we didn't grow up with you know uh, devices in our hands that let's grow up and see the world no yeah my world was choctaw county mississippi (laughs) yeah and occasionally occasionally drift over to startful uh you know 20 minutes away uh but that that was that was it i didn't have any sense of the larger world and our kids do have that sense and i think in this moment um we can we can dog social media all day long uh, but the gift of social media and technology right now is it's keeping us connected and our kids know how to leverage it um in a way that uh that they can stay connected my 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 daughter you know sydney same age as campbell uh her sorority is having kind of sub chapter meetings by by uh by year and so they're they're staying connected that way you know my daughter and her roommates are picking out stuff for their apartment next year Uh, so they're they're you know for them it's a bump that they're not gonna they're not gonna allow they're still thinking for it it's not gonna they're not gonna let it stop the future from coming uh and again that's 
that's extremely healthy, continuing to keep that forward focus. We're going to get past all of this, and there's going to be pain during it. There's going to be a lot of financial pain, I know, uh, for folks as we come out of it, but we're going to get to the other side. We're all going to be different on the other side, um, but, but we're going to get to the other side. We were talking about before we brought you on today, and not not what I mentioned to you, but just in general, you greet so many people. Do you think just as a society, we're going to start limiting handshaking when this is over? Do you think people would be more fearful about just that 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 active expression because of the way that we've we've, we've been handling it the last month or so? You know, Dr. Fauci said last week that we should never go back to shaking hands ever again. Um, you know, still my first impulse when I see somebody, I, I saw you yesterday, Chase, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my there's still something in me that wants me to throw my right hand out to you uh, that I'm, I'm still fighting. I do think we're going to be more careful with that. Uh, I think that I think that the way that we look at things and interact is going to change. Uh, you know, I, I was watching a movie the other night, a big crowd in an airport. I was like, what in the world? All these people pushed together? Yeah. No. You know, already I'm thinking that's just horrific. Um, don't do that. Stop. And, and so I, I think that um, I think things are going to change. I don't know how we'll greet each other. Um, I don't know if we'll do a lot of elbow bumping or, or what. But, um, I, you know, I think that remains to be seen. But I do think um, this is going to change the way we interact, just like the depression changed uh, a generation of people, just like uh, going through world wars changed generations of people. Uh, the pandemic back in 1918 changed people and how they interacted. I think this is going to do the same thing for us. Do, do, do you envision getting people back in the sanctuary for services when it's completely over? Or do you, do you almost kind of anticipate some sort of social distancing thing where everybody sits in middle ends of pews and there's almost kind of a separation? I mean, what, what, what do you kind of expect here? Uh, you know, early on, people were like, oh, can you imagine the first Sunday everybody's back at church? It's going to be like Easter. And I don't think uh, that's the way it's going to be now. I think... Uh, churches, uh, particularly larger churches, will slowly open. Uh, we've already been talking about when the restrictions are lifted, um, doing some smaller grouping things long before we ever try to do a Sunday morning. So maybe bringing in the third graders uh, to do something or the eighth graders or bringing in a Sunday school class or two or some small groups along the way into the facility. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting. I My prediction is that a lot of our folks who have underlying medical conditions and our senior adults are going to stay away a long time um, unless we do some things that, you know, just allow smaller groups to come in. I think we're just going to have to think, uh, all churches, I think, are just going to have to think creatively how we do this. Before this happened, we put in, you know, hand sanitizing stations all over the place. We're going to add some more of those before we come back, probably put them on stands everywhere. I don't know if that means we don't, um, have at least some masks available for folks to make some folks feel comfortable. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it will change how we come back to church. I think, you know, I used to, it used to frustrate me to see people, you know, sitting eight feet apart in the pews and thinking, why can't they just sit close to, I, I bet I don't think that ever again. What um, about communion? Have you, have you, are gonna, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No. Yeah. I think that's a great question. We, I don't know. 
I, you know, the, the, the way we've done it, um, I, I've always joked, nobody's ever died from coming to communion, but I don't want to make that joke. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people all the germs of communion during flu season. My response is, right, nobody's ever died from coming to communion. I'm not going to make that joke anymore. <laughs> um, so I think what we do have to think about, we've always been real good about having hand sanitizer for people who are serving, but, you know, I, people have dipped in the cups. Does that go away for us? Now, you know, the idea of somebody's bare fingertip touching the grape juice, I, I don't know that I want to follow that. Um, so I think it does. We're going to have to, I think we're going to have to rethink a lot of things. Um, you know, we do a lot of coffee, community coffee. How do we do coffee in a way that we maintain? Uh, I've thought, um, see, I've thought about healthy this. People. Yeah. The coffee thing? I've thought about the coffee thing. I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore if I can't. I, it's Really? Yeah, I've had a lot of, and, and, and with communion, Eddie, I'm just going to bring my own wine, and so I'll be I'll be back in the back. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine. it'd be fine. Um, that's fine. Yeah, you slide me some. It will be good friends. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll just bring you a glass right before you start your your your, your sermon. Right. It, I don't know, man. I've thought about a lot of this stuff. But I, I'm, it's made me. I've always been a, a, I think, kind of a borderline germaphobe, and now I'm. I think I'm. I'm going to have to, if, no, no joke, I'm going to have to sort of fight some of this a little because I've had a lot of time to think about right. where all the germs are. And I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to kind of work my way past that a little. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, door handles. Uh, you know, I always think about, y'all were talking, I think you said y'all were talking about, you know, people who don't wash their hands, uh, you know, who go to the bathroom. But every door handle of every building gets touched by a lot of people. So if you want to really, I mean, throw yourself in a bubble, be the bubble boy, I mean, we just got to fight some of it. I, you know, hopefully the thing that will bring us confidence coming out of this is going to be testing, uh, doing the testing to see if we've had it or if we're immune to it, uh, or, um, you know, testing of people who just feel, so we've just got to get the testing ramped up. I think, for, for all of us to go into the fall where we um, are going to want to go back to football stadiums and then we get a little bit later and want to go to basketball games, whether that's high school or college, um, you know, we're going to have to have something that gives us some confidence that we can go in and out of Vaught-Hemingway um, and, not, and not have to be worried of, okay, okay I'm going to have to watch the next 10 days to 14 days. I, I don't want to do that. But I also want to go watch football. So we're going to need some things that give us confidence um, in that going forward. Yeah, you're a big Duke basketball guy. You, what, the NCAA tournament, is that the biggest thing that you're missing to this point from a sports standpoint? You know, uh, I've already ordered my uh, 2020 Duke National Championship <laughs> T-shirt. I'm just going to go ahead and claim that. Uh, and my Ole Miss Baseball National okay, Championship gotcha. T-shirt. So, so you got, you, you got so two in one cool. season. Congratulations! Proud, proud for you. Two and two, two this spring. Yeah, I mean it was it was just um, when they called it, uh, I, and I got it. I understood. I didn't, you know, I didn't grumble about it. Um, but it just that's the part of the year that you look forward to. Even those years when Duke takes its early dive, and I, you know, I want to rip my TV off the wall and you know, rant for a while, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fun. And, you know, you guys, y'all probably been to the final four and I went, got, had the chance to do that years ago. I've been to regionals. It's just fun. You know, and that's even watching it at home. 
uh, the NCAA championship just it just occupies so much of your time and, and it just you missed it. I mean Sunday um, I tweeted out about watching the 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 basketball thing that ESPN did the horse competition mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't believe I sat there and watched it for ninety minutes. Um, but I did. You watched ninety uh, minutes. Yeah, yeah. I had to stop after fifteen. I, I just 90. I just can't do it anymore. I, well, I was putting a puzzle together, so I was kind of in and okay. out of it. But yeah, it stayed on my TV for ninety minutes. I watched somebody show us his batting cage. I mean, it was terrible. Well, um, but it was it was it was live sports or pseudo live sports. Well, that's what you and I were talking yesterday, and I told you that I've gotten down YouTube golf issues because I've watched like the nineteen seventy four Masters. That I'm like, okay, I don't even know who went, wins. Who cares? Let's just see what it looks like. You went down it to the point of watching US Angola, though. That's exactly right. Yeah, the other day, uh, my YouTube feed popped up the the Dream Team first game against Angola. And so the girls came in the room and they're like, what are you watching? I was like, this is Larry Bird, uh, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, all these folks on the, they're on the court together. This was important. And they're, and, you know, they're like, well, how are we going to do it? I said, well, it's a seven, seven now, but just wait. <laughs> and then Angola didn't score again for like the next <laughs> six days or something. So, um, but yeah, I watched half of that. The first half of that game, uh, because I just I miss sports. I think there's something uniting for us around sports, and uh, and I love basketball. You know, Christian Leitner uh, was on that dream team. Mm-hmm. I think he carried a lot of bags and um, sat at the end of the bench, and nobody talked to him. Uh, but uh, you know, so that was my Duke connection. I was explaining that to the girls, and they were not impressed. Kind of in the least, but yeah, I'm ready. For- Kind of last thing here, um, you, you and I did a podcast yesterday, a little cross-promotion. The wait, you've started that. I guess I think you said 10, 11 episodes have been recorded. I'm not sure how many have been released. W-E-I-G-H-T, wait. Um, during all this, I mean, obviously your job is to talk to people and, and, and be around, but from a podcasting standpoint, have, have you kind of gotten a little therapy out of it does it allow you to to search for ideas to kind of get an extra something because you know so much of what you and i talked about yesterday so much of what neil and i do is normalcy but it also kind of gives us an outlet a little bit how have you kind of adapted Mm -hmm. to the to the podcast genre yeah we, we call we call it the weight because we wanted to tackle weighty questions if the culture is talking about it we wanted to talk about it and so we started recording episodes uh, last uh, last fall uh, to to release this spring, just around cultural issues and church and different things, and then January came and the United Methodist Church, that's uh, our tribe, uh, had this kind of blow up moment, and so we shifted gears real quickly and started recording episodes to help us think through some of the issues the United Methodist Church was dealing with. It, with we released two of those episodes. And the pandemic hit. So we shifted gears and we started really inviting folks in to have conversations uh, that we wanted to have. And so we invited in a counselor uh, to help us think through what, what are some of the things we need to be thinking about and talking about. We invited in a homeschooler because we wanted someone uh, who's done this for a while to help parents think about, okay, how do I, how do I function with my kids at home in the expectation that they're supposed to learn something while they're, while they're at home? Um, we reached out to the CDC. We, hopefully we've got somebody lined up uh, to talk with from there in the coming weeks. Um, talked with uh, somebody yesterday besides you to help churches think about how do you, how do, you do virtual worship 
and do it well and faithfully. And so it's, it's helped us really think about things that we want to think about. I mean, it's, it's important to me to think about how, how do I love my kids when I'm in the house with them all the time? Uh, how do I control what I can control and release what I can't control? So it helping, those things have helped me out, just kind of process things. And uh, hopefully they're, they're allowing people um, to listen and to uh, and maybe to get some answers for some things during this weird, strange season uh, that they need as well. Well, Eddie, I uh, appreciate all the time this morning and, uh, and everything. And let's, uh, let's ho- hopefully this is over soon, but in some, uh, some round, let's do it again. Absolutely. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, okay. guys. Thanks, Eddie. Eddie Rester joining us there on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. If you're on the uh, the audio version of the podcast, we're going to show you that interview or let you hear that interview with uh, Robert Allen, the Samford transfer that's uh, that's headed to Ole Miss. Yesterday, he uh, he announced that. Neil spoke with him, so that's coming up here on the uh, the show in a second. Before we uh, do that, I'll tell you about Special Orthopedic Group. They are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at either location. They're also offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Patients have 24 hours access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referral is needed, and walk-ins are Welcome there at SOG. <clears throat> Probably have some ads to read. I'll have to find them here. Uh, let's see. I got, you all right over there? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I'm a reporter. I work for a site called rebelgrove.com. <laughs> gotcha. It's part of the Rivals Network. Gotcha. While Neil's looking for stuff, I'll tell you about in-house interior design. 662-681-6241 is the, uh, is the phone number. You can talk, call or text right now, even though a lot of things are on hold. But you're around your house a lot. You're probably noticing stuff that maybe needs to uh, be fixed up, be altered a little bit. Nikki and Ashley will help you out with that. they got more than 30 years combined experience, and they are there to help you. Hopefully in August, we get dorm room appointments back going. They offer discounts there. They offer, offer discounts for new client gifts and more. So again, 662-681-6241. We uh, posted a, a, a Mind on My Money podcast yesterday. Uh, we taped another one yesterday as well. Those are brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. They're based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. It's founded in uh, 1997. Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At uh, Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. At some point, we've been saying this, at some point, this will end. We'll flatten curves, and people will feel safe getting out, and they're going to want to get away. They're going to want to go on a vacation. There was a message board thread about that at rebelgrove.com as well. Um, so what you can do when uh, when that rolls around is get in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits that are simply not available to other travelers. 901-494-3387 or uh, J Edwards at regencytravel.net and uh, just give him some parameters give him a budget he'll give you options and now's a pretty good time because there's a lot of deals out there uh, to be had for uh, later in the year 
And so uh, just send in that email, call that number, sit back, and he'll come up with options. And uh, know this, you don't have to live near Memphis to take advantage of the services, and you get $50 off your first book trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. Now here is uh, Robert Allen, that is his name. Robert Allen, the Sanford Transfer on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Uh, Robert Allen joins us here on the podcast. Robert, thanks for uh, spending some time. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's good to, good to have you here. Um, okay, we'll start with this. We'll start with the, the decision, obviously, that you made. I know uh, you had a number of, of schools that, that came after you, after you uh, made the decision to transfer from Sanford. Uh, what was it about Ole Miss that kind of pushed them over the top? Well, just the coaching staff is outstanding. They're really good, really good group of dudes. Uh, you know, they are re- really nice, you know, really genuine and the fact that they have Ole Miss has a really good academic program because academic is always important. Um, and just the team itself, like they seem like they bond well together and just talking with the coaches as much as I did it, they just really made me feel like, like family. Yeah. That's, you know, normally when someone goes through the, the transfer portal process, they get a chance to take some visits and that kind of thing. Obviously you probably didn't get a chance to do that. Um, with the, with everything shut down, uh, due to the coronavirus and all of that, how did that impact just the recruiting process, the evaluation process, the communication process with all the schools that were recruiting you? Um, I feel like it just affected it because most of the time, like when you go to a school, that's like you, that's where, that's when you get the feeling like, wow, like, okay, this feels like home. So I feel like taking away that part of the process makes you have to tune in more to when like coaches are talking to you and listening to how they talk and like the bond that you create over the phone and through FaceTime and stuff like that. And then also like it puts more, uh, I guess what puts more on the, the athlete being recruited as far as like looking in, like you really have to dive in and, and dig for information. Yeah, it's a totally different deal, too, when you're transferring as opposed to when you're coming out of high school, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at different things in different ways because of the college experience that you've already had? Yes, sir. Um, what did, I know Ole Miss, at the end of the season, they didn't have the season they wanted to have this past, this past year. Uh, Kermit Davis, that staff, talked a lot about toughness a lot throughout the course of, of the season. It wasn't criticizing the, the kids individually necessarily at all. Just It was saying, hey, this, this team, just for whatever reason, it lacks some toughness. Um, I know that uh, from talking to people that they, they view you and Domencio Vaughn, who uh, transfer from Ryder, as a couple of guys that are going to really bring that quality uh, to this team next season. How, how would you sort of define your game and then also talk about the the toughness that maybe you've developed as a player over, over the first couple of years there at Sanford? Yes, sir. So uh, I just see my game as uh, I'm very, uh, very hybrid for, you know, have a, I have a great motor. I'm very active. I can step out and shoot the three and take take someone off the job, but I also can get down there and post somebody up. And I love snagging rebounds. Um, I feel like my toughness comes in. I I mean, I hustle hard. I play with everything I got while I'm on the floor, no matter what's going on. I feel like Sanford did help me out with that because I had so much. Um, I had a great opportunity to play as much as I did at Sanford. Um, so I feel like that that really helped me a lot. And I just I just put my heart out there on the court. You know, basketball is something I love, and I just use that love to push me and you know bring out the physicality in in the game. And it just I feel like that's. That's what helps me in the brink. Like I feel like I can bring a lot of, um, I feel like I can bring a lot of energy and just some some like some things they were missing. I feel like I can add that to the team 
so we can have so they can have a better season moving forward. Is that kind of the stuff that they talked to you about as well? I was curious what they told you. You know, they, they how did they envision your role? They envision my role as you know coming in and coming in and becoming a starter and bringing my physical my physicality to the game and just really working hard. You know, like just not that, just being a good teammate to my teammates, just all working together and 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 getting the goal of going to the NCAA tournament or even better, winning it. Um. I guess take me in, inside the decision, if you would, to, to ultimately transfer. I know you, you played a lot at, at Sanford. You were pretty productive, really productive. What was this kind of the motivation to say, hey, it's time for me to, to try something new? Well, going into like my freshman year, going to Sanford, I, I feel like I didn't take basketball as serious. You know, I was just using it in a way to get my education. And being there at Sanford, I was like, wow, like, you know, I started – Love, like started falling in love with the game and and saw my de- my, my 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 development from the game and I'm just like wow like hey like this was wonderful and then you know there was just uh, we didn't have such a, a great season this year and then I was like just dang I, I don't know if I should leave and most of my teammates told me like they see they see a like they see a SEC player they see you know an NBA player inside of me especially the things I would do in practice in the game and uh, when Coach P got fired I just initially took the decision to leave and I guess this is the a great decision probably one of the best decisions i ever made in my life i was going to ask you at some point when you're when you're putting up num- numbers at sanford i'm sure that you're a guy that you know and uh when you're not playing sometimes you're watching the game when you would see sec games when you'd see acc games would you think to yourself hey i can i can play at that level i, I want to test myself at that level uh yes sir. i mean uh being at stanford we played a few uh sec teams or big teams that um that are really good and uh, I kind of like tested myself there and I was like wow you know like we play Alabama this year and I had like a double double 17 and 10 somewhere around there and it just showed in my eyes like hey you you can play here I feel like during the most part during San Francisco I was just focused on the season for the most part I mean when I do watch the games I do think like hey I could do that too I mean my mom would say that more than anything she's like I'm watching uh, Kentucky (laughs) play and I think you can go I think you can go with these guys I think you can do it and I'm like yeah ma you know what I think I can do it too so once I got that confidence I feel like that like pushed my decision to leave Sanford so you were home in Orlando um, with with your mom and your family there did how much did did that enable them uh to her and anybody else to sort of be be involved in in the recruiting process to to kind of help you in making a decision because like I said I know when you entered the portal uh there were you know multiple schools that, that came after you Yes, sir. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, it wasn't really a difference from being home or being somewhere else. Uh, I talked to my parents. Me and my parents have a really great relationship. I mean, it was it made it easier because they were here. They could be right here with me. Like, as soon as I get off the phone with a coach, I can tell them what I heard and they'll write it down or they'll say, you know, how they feel and felt and stuff like that. So having them right here next to me physically was really good in the process. And also having the coaches or my old coaches and people that I, I trust and love, you know, back here, back home you know, helping me out and giving me input. I feel like that was just a really big thing. And it, it really helped me because they, they definitely did do a lot of researching for me and uh, laying out like, you know, what, what would be a smart decision. So it definitely benefited me being here in Orlando. So take me through your uh, your COVID experience. I, I know that uh, like everybody else, there was a moment that everybody had when they said, hey, oh, oh this is going to impact me. In your case, you, Sanford was going to be closed. You were going to be heading back home. You weren't going to be able to go through the recruiting process probably the way that maybe you were anticipating. 
what was that what was the moment for you when you realized this is this is such a big thing that it's going to impact me and everyone else well i feel like i, re- I really didn't get the feeling at first because uh when we found out that we couldn't go back to school, we were on spring break. So I was in here. I was in Orlando having fun with my family. Um, and then once, once I, I feel like once I came back and I was driving back from uh, Birmingham after grabbing some of my stuff, um, I was on, like having this long car ride, eight hour drive from Birmingham to Orlando. And there I was like, okay, like you're going to have to make a decision. You feel me? And it has to be the best decision of your life because this can make or break, you know, what you're going to do going forward um, in life. I feel like the the moment when I felt like, all right, like you're going to make you're going to make the right decision. Um, I was on the phone with my best friend, Dre, who also played uh, at Sanford University. And uh, I was telling him how I was so nervous to make a decision. I didn't know what like what school was what. And he, he just said to me, he was like, Rob, relax. And I like sat there and he just told me he was like, you know what school you want to go to. Like in the back of your head, you know what school you want to go to. So like make decision and feel confident in it. And I feel like right there, I was like, wow, I'm about to make a decision that's about to change my life and my fa- my family's life. How close was it? I know you picked Ole Miss. Who else was who else was really kind of uh, taking up some space in your brain? Who else was was really on your mind? Um, Mississippi State definitely took up a lot of space um, in my brain. Also, uh, New Mexico. They took up a lot of space. I love the love the coaching staff there. I thought it was a really good place. And also Illinois State. Uh, Illinois State, we had a Zoom call that lasted five hours. So they took up a lot of a lot of my time just because they they brought it they broke it down so nicely and they had a great facility and great coaching staff. I mean this is a really hard decision, but you know, I feel like at the end I was like, Oh, miss is a spot for me, it's where my heart desired. So I know you don't know at this point when you're going to get to Oxford. No one kind of knows what's going to happen here. What what did uh, what what has Ole Miss told you about when they're going to hopefully get you to campus and and that kind of thing? What's sort of the the summer plan in a time when it's well, almost impossible uh-oh. to make plans? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right. So the the dead period got pushed back to May 31st. Um, I'm hoping that things uh, ease up after May. Um, so whenever the dead period really lifts up, I feel like we'll get back by June. Uh, June 15 is when we start our summer session, I'm pretty sure. So we're shooting for the June 15th. I guess that'll be my first time seeing Oxford um, going there for summer summer school. Um, but yeah, right with the with the corona going around and things like that, the pandemic, you, we really don't know, you know what's really going to happen next. But hopefully I get there soon. So I've been reading stories. Jason Tatum of the Celtics hasn't been able to touch a basketball, hadn't been able to shoot. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks, the, the likely MVP, doesn't have a hoop to 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 work with. I was watching Trey Young the other day. He's having to shoot out in his you know in his backyard uh, on the driveway like like we all did when we were little kids. How are you? Uh, how are you staying in shape with this? How are you uh, kind of keeping your game sharp, if at all? I mean, how's how's this? I know this is you know stopped you from being able to get to the gym. You're not getting run in that kind of thing. How how's this impacted your ability just to work on your basketball game? Yes, sir. Well, you know all all the things are closed around here, and all the gyms are closed around here in Orlando. But for the most part, I have to go back to the old school ways. You know. I run six miles with my mom, um, like plenty of mornings. We get out there and run. Uh, I, you know, I do, do little things like jump squats and, and push-ups and burpees and uh, stuff with resistance band. Also, I have a workout partner. Um, I go over and uh, we go. We get on the Vertimax every day um, in his garage and we just work and we grind and we have an outside um, 
an outside goal. So that's where I kind of work on my shot um, with help of, you know, some of my other uh, coaches and stuff like that. Also, my cousin, he, he works me out every day. Uh, like yesterday, we ran like a hill. We ran it like probably 20 times and stuff like that. So you just you got to find natural ways to keep your body in shape. You feel me? And just build muscle and stay toned. Yeah, you talk about wanting to, to be an NBA player. What do you have to do with your game to to get it to that level? Obviously, you're going to play in, in arguably the best uh, league in the in the country. Certainly, one of the two or three best leagues in the country. You're gonna you, everyone's going to see you. All the NBA people are going to see you night in and night out. What do you have to do to to get to that level? So I feel like in order to get to that level is one for the most part. But I need to be an amazing teammate. You feel me? I feel like that's most important. I, anything you know, team like there's no I in team. So I definitely feel like I need to be a great teammate to my uh, new teammates. Uh, second of all, I feel like I need to um, get more efficient with my shooting. Like I'm shooting good, but now I want to get my percentage up. I also want to like get to get better with my right hand. I love driving left. You know, I'm I'm, I'm left-handed. I shoot my left hand. So I want to get my right hand going uh, again. And uh, I just want to get my shot better and just I want to get a very solid handle. I feel like those things will will take me uh, to the next level. Also, I want to get more explosive with my moves and, uh, and with uh, my drop steps and stuff like that. So I just, for the most part, is just really getting explosive and getting my shot together in my right hand. I feel like if I can change those things, I could be unstoppable. Are there some NBA players that you model your game after or maybe some NBA players that you really you really study to try to take some things from their game and put it into yours? Yeah, I definitely like Ince Kupo, a uh, Greek freak from the Bucks. Uh, I like his game. I like how he runs the floor. I like how he he attacks the basket very aggressively and can euro left or right. So I really like that. And he also can step out and shoot it uh, when he's open. Yeah, he's a monster. He, he's Yeah, he is a monster. He's, he's a beast. In, he's incredible. Um. Is it? Is it? I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a big NBA guy. I don't know whether you are or not. You probably are. Uh, it's it's been weird not having it on, and they the NBA Network keeps showing all these old games, and some of the, the ABC had some old games and stuff. Do you do you catch yourself uh, kind of jonesing for some live basketball? Do you do you catch yourself watching some of the old games at all? Yeah, I mean, especially going through a recruiting process. I'm not so big of an NBA dude, but I'm definitely a college basketball dude. So, like, I call myself, like, watching old clips of, like, college basketball on ESPN or my ESPN Live app. Like, I watch games from back when or I'm watching, like, when I played or when other teams played or teams that weren't even recruiting me. Like, I would watch them just because, like, I kind of, like, kind of was sad when we weren't able to watch the March Madness. You know, like, that's, like, a really big factor especially in basketball, and it kind of sucked not to, not to watch it, and I really missed it. Well, listen, I really appreciate the time today. Hope that uh, you and your family stay safe, and uh, hopefully this thing blows over pretty quickly and, and uh, you can get back to, to the court and look forward to covering you when you get here to Ole Miss. Yes, sir. Me too. You have a wonderful day. Same to you, Robert. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks to Neil for doing that, and for Robert for uh, hanging out with us there on the uh, on the on the hotline. A little uh, interview there, fifteen minutes or so. So appreciate him, appreciate uh, all you guys for listening to that as well. Podcast brought to you in part by Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Seto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processings done in Memphis. You're getting local underwriting, understand your market, a leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. To find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J L O W E at communitymtg.com. We are uh, also brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB is uh, 
locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with a personal touch. But they also give you Casasa. It's the absolute best cash checking account. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. Uh, they also offer online bill pay, mobile check deposit using their online app. Go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. Uh, Bluff City is dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. Bluff City values providing quality advice, experience, and access to all their clients, and they invite an open dialogue beyond your annual review. They believe that everyone deserves financial security, so no matter your level of wealth or financial goal, they will serve as an advocate and guide to grow a portfolio that is fruitful and sustainable for you. 901-365-3447 or email ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. So, uh, Eddie and Robert there on the uh, the show today. What's Ole Miss getting from the uh, the Samford uh, transfer? Smart kid, toughness, kid who plays really hard, hustle. Not the most skilled guy in the world. But he gives them this. You and I talked about this a lot over the course of the basketball season. As much as Kermit liked the kids themselves, the people, he never could get that team to play the way his teams play. He never got that team to play with his personality. Kermit's personality is tenacious, tough, gritty. That's him. Hard. His middle Tennessee teams and his first Ole Miss team, when you got through playing them, you knew you had played them. This team never got that. So they've brought in two guys now, Demencio Vaughn and um, Robert Allen, who have uh, – they're going to they're gonna add some experience, some age, toughness, a little nastiness, something to prove. So that's kind of what, what they brought. He's got some size to him, a 6'8 kid. Get some length. Likes to rebound, likes to crash the glass. Going to play hard. Not going to be the guy getting pulled all the time because he's not playing with effort. Kermit had to do that last year. He had to coach effort. And when you're having to coach effort, it's not going well. Because you're always coaching execution, right? Yeah, when you're coaching effort, we got major problems. Yeah, that, that's got to be the given before you get started were, everywhere else. They were coaching effort in March. Mm-hmm. You're always having to correct, hey, you, you had a defensive mistake. You had a defensive lapse. Uh, you weren't in the right spot on the right play. Maybe you forgot a play. That stuff happens. But when you're having to coach play hard, eh. now we got it. And they, they were having to coach play hard. The story I was pulling up, Chase, yeah. it's in the Wall Street Journal, okay. and I can't get it to pull up now. But 
It's a uh, study out of Stanford. Okay. Do you see this? No. They're using Major League Baseball as their uh, as their thing, not just the players. It's totally voluntary. They're getting ten thousand samples from Major League Baseball. Okay. Players, front office, hot dog vendors, all the way. Okay. Sure. It's voluntary. And uh, Major League Baseball is not invested in it. There's no major. They're they're just the source. But they're doing an antibody test on ten thousand people. Okay. So you've got from the athletes to the everyone associated. It's to some segment. Yeah. Yeah. Concession workers, et cetera. So it's not just hey, twenty three year old healthy people. Okay. Sure. And they're going to have the results here soon. Normally, it would take a year. They're doing it in a month thanks to some capital investment. We're going to know, we're going to have a much better idea of two things how many people have been exposed and just what is this thing? Mm -hmm. No, that's the thing I I keep coming back to that. I, look, any data is good data. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not bashing the way we're, we're we're trying to analyze this thing at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't know how many people have had this thing, and we don't know how many people have been exposed to it. We don't know anything along those lines yet. So that's where I get frustrated. Is we can do, hey, this number of hospital cases. That's a real number. That is an absolute real number. This many deaths. That's a really real number. Although yesterday, that's just suddenly throwing tons more deaths in because maybe they died from it. It's a little weird to me, but nonetheless, those are real numbers. Mortality rate is not a real number. Mortality rate is nowhere near a real number right now because we don't know if, I mean, I'm throwing numbers out. We don't know if 10 million more people have had this thing. Right. And if so, then your mortality rate's a heck of a lot different than the other number that's that's currently thrown around. I mean, mortality rate of positive cases and mortality rate in general, two completely different things. And we don't know. I don't know. Not it's not minimizing it either. People get people get frustrated and they go, "Oh, yeah." It's not what I'm saying. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm with that, you. I'm with you more and more every day. Where yeah. I'm not convinced that the attack rate on this thing is what people no, think it is. No, no, no. And I'm not convinced that the mortality rate on this thing is what people think it is. Now, before I go overboard and people go crazy, if you have morbidities, it's it's pretty vicious. If you're if you're old, and most old people have underlying health issues. Mm-hmm. If you're diabetic, finally people are saying this word. This word needs to be said. It's not fat shaming. It's not. If you are obese, well, obese people have underlying health issues because obesity is not healthy. I'm not saying they're bad human beings or that we shouldn't love them or we shouldn't, but I remember being fat. And I remember where I am today, which is still probably not where I exactly want to be. And I can tell you that my blood work is that of two different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My physician used those words. Used those words when I went from 260 something to 202. He said, if I didn't know this was the same person, I would never have assumed. I would would have assumed this was two completely different people. Mm -hmm. So... If you are severely overweight, you are more at risk of if you catch this virus, it doing bad things to you. But it appears that this virus does not do a lot of bad things to really healthy people. Now, again, we have to be vigilant because we have to take care of our first responders. We have to take care of uh, our medical people. 
the nurses, doctors, the people that are on the front lines, we've that's the reason we have to be super careful with the whole just open it wide open. No, no, let's be cool. Let's do this where we make sure that we don't overwhelm them and put them at a higher level of risk than they should be put at. I think you agree with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good there. I was reading about um, Dr. Fossey saying that the only way sports happen this summer is by doing it, um, keeping players in hotels and fans out of the stadium. Um, he said as part of Snapchat's Peter Hamby during a, a week-long interview series, quote, there's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put the players in big hotels, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well uh, surveilled. Um Surveillance, yeah, where you're watching well, them. Yeah, but the wording, the spelling yeah. is weird there. Have them tested every single week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out was his uh, his quote there. Again, I, I don't know if that's an opinion. I don't know if that tries to become a rule. I, I don't know. I'm reading a quote. Yeah, so what's interesting is the president very clearly is has that's his mind. The, yeah, his mind yeah. is on sports. If you looked at who he wants on this committee about how to put back, how to get back going again, it's, it's Roger Goodell, it's uh, Adam Silver, it's uh, – uh, Rob Manfred with Major League Baseball, Jerry Jones, Mark Cuban. Uh, Trump even said, I'm tired of watching 14-year-old baseball games. Yeah. I feel like saying, why are you even watching baseball games? But anyway, it's it's fascinating to see the, the different opinions here and at some point. And we need to be careful from a media standpoint, which I know never happens anyway, is let's differentiate between somebody's opinion when they're just giving an opinion yeah. and when we're discussing something that could be policy. Two completely different things. So yeah. that's, like right here, I don't know what we're doing. I, I don't really understand the, the context, context of, of what this. the question was. Of, yeah, you know. I, I don't know. Is this what you think happens? Is that just your opinion as a, as a person I'm talking to? What, do you, what are we talking about? My, my read, and again, I just it's heard, just opinion, is that is my he was asked a question, if you're going to bring sports back, how would, how would you, you do, do it? it? And he said, well, here's how I would do it. Yeah, that's my guess. But, I mean, it's even in these polls. Like, everybody keeps talking about this Seton Hall University poll where they said 72% of Americans polled said they would, um, if sporting events were resumed that before a vaccine was there, um, they wouldn't feel comfortable. Well, or the way, it, however it's phrased. And, again, I'm sure it's a high number. This is not justification because I don't know that I would feel comfortable. But a huge number of those people also admitted they didn't want to go to a sporting event anyway because they weren't sports fans. Well, why the hell are they being polled? Right. That's irrelevant to the poll then. Yeah, the, the question would be, if you wanted to do it scientifically, is go to a thousand people who are, pick your sport. Yeah, of course. Season ticket holders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go find a thousand Minnesota Twins season ticket holders. Would you be comfortable going to a game today at – What's the name of that park? It's really cool. It's a nice park. I can't think of the name of it. Where the, where the Twins play? Yeah. Would you be Target. Com- Target Field. Yeah. Very beautiful park, actually. Yeah. Would you be comfortable going to a game at Target Field? And mm-hmm. then you could break it down even further. Would you be comfortable buying concessions? Right. Would you be comfortable with whatever? That would give you a much better feel for Just how- random American. Well, yeah, random don't American. Care anyway. Well, the qu- first question should be, are you a sports fan? If the answer is not really, well, okay, well, then you're, you're not – that's nothing wrong with you, but you're not you're not fitting what poll. I'm looking for here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the in a political poll, the general vote, the general populace. That doesn't really matter. Likely voters. Okay, yeah. well now I'm I'm I'm, I'm more interested. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, very uh, thorough, very broad show today for you. We'll uh, again be back tomorrow night. We'll have hand raised guys, Oxford X podcast, whatever you want to call it. We'll have a call in show tomorrow night. We'll talk to you. We'll have some topics. 
I think we have a guest interview as well, so we'll uh, we'll, yes. we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll do that. Brett McMurphy that and I are going to tape tomorrow morning, okay? And we'll have that on Thursday night. We'll talk to Brett about this very topic. Nobody, literally, is more connected with what's happening with college athletics and the return eventually than McMurphy is. Yeah. He's worked on it exclusively for a while now. Yeah. So that is uh, it's coming up the rest of the week as far as this here podcast. Appreciate Eddie. Appreciate Robert. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.